the next speaker, I'd like to welcome Graham Fuller up on stage, who is going to be actually talking to us <laughs> this morning about why me. So, Graham, before we get started, could I just say I really love the haircut? <laughs> Looks great, doesn't it? We almost gave Tim one of those the other day. Do you go to a hairdresser or does your wife do that? Uh, my wife does it. It's good, isn't it? Wonderful. Do you do more than one? Like, you should um, bring a friend. I, th I think the last time I got an actual haircut at a hairdresser was for my wedding. Oh, wow. 16 years ago. <laughs> so I save a lot of money. So I should be able to spend that on something else that I really like, don't you reckon? <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, you have no idea how you dodged a bullet. Because I, um, I clip, I've clipped a horse before and I was offering to do Tim's. And if we'd only had those batteries. But never mind. So Tim... Why me is the topic. Do you think that there are people out there that will have experienced why me syndrome? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'd be very surprised if every one of us hasn't experienced that. Um, every one of us has experienced suffering in uh, many and various ways, and I'm going to be looking a little bit into that. But also just thinking a bit about um, what, what place does God have in that? Can God help? Um, that sort of thing. So... Yeah. You go to EV Church here, and you're yep. one of the ministers. Yep. yep. And um, how long have you been here, and what's that role entail for you? Uh, yeah, I, I've been here five years now, and um, that role is um, I work in an area that's trying to help um, Christians grow in their um, trust in Jesus and uh, also help them um, in, engage in serving um, Jesus and serving each other. Fantastic. Well, yeah. I'll leave you to it. Great. Thank you. Um, last year, uh, so I'll just grab that one. <laughs> Thanks. Last year, um, I was invited to speak at uh, Summerfest, and I was asked to speak about uh, uh, monsters and uh, uh, mediums and the supernatural and evil and all that sort of stuff. And this year, I've been asked to speak about suffering. So I'm not sure what that says about me. I, I'm the uh, the monsters, evil, suffering guy. So. Uh, if you've got any parties, you know, need some light entertainment, I'm the guy to invite along. Um, now, it's nice to be here this morning, but it's not a nice topic. Uh, it's a hard topic to talk about. It's not light, it's not easy, it's not funny, um, because it's real, and it's real for every single one of us. Um, and the first thing, as soon as you start thinking about the topic of suffering, you have to say is, is suffering sucks. Suffering is a terrible, terrible thing. Um, if I did go around and I talked to each and every one of you, and I had enough time, and you were open enough with me, and I scratched just beneath the surface, what I would find in each and every one of you, I'd find a person who is hurting, I reckon. I'd find a person who has been wounded in some sort of way. I'd find some sort of damage, some sort of brokenness. Um, the things we've experienced, uh, the people that we've lost, and suffering comes in many, many shapes and sizes. Uh, it comes in the form of um, loss and bereavement. Um, some of us experience the suffering of broken relationships, damaged relationships, relationships that aren't working right. Some have experienced the sufferings that, that other people have done to us, uh, mistreating us, abusing us, um, making us feel stupid, neglecting us. Uh, some of us experienced the suffering of feeling trapped, the suffering of loneliness. Uh, some of us feel the suffering of um, illness, uh, injury, uh, loss of health. Some of us experienced the suffering of um, mental um, anguish or torment or struggles. Uh, some of us experience the suffering of addiction, um, some the feeling of failure, some the feeling of guilt, some of disappointment or shattered dreams. Now it's just naming a few. 
So if I came around, I spoke to each of you, um, we'd all have um, stories of um, pain and tragedy in our lives. And if we don't have many, it's usually because we haven't lived that long yet. Uh, there's just something about living in this world which means that we all experience suffering um, in one way or another. Um, I've lost um, people that I love dearly in my life, and, I, and I'm sure many of you have too, but one of the most traumatic things that I witnessed in someone else's life um, happened a couple of years ago. I was um, just been out surfing with um, a couple of mates, and I came home, and um, I looked at my phone, and there was a message from a lady, and I thought, oh, no. It's a lady who had um, fairly developed, uh, advanced cancer, and uh, I thought, oh, something's wrong um, straight away. I jumped on the phone, um, but it wasn't actually her. It was her granddaughter. Uh, her granddaughter had been, um, during that uh, week before, experiencing um, uh, sort of pain in her neck, stiffness in her neck. They'd been to the physio, they'd been to the doctor, but it didn't seem to be uh, much. Uh, they'd brought her home. But that night, it got really quite intense and painful, and then she'd just gone unconscious like that. They'd rushed to the hospital uh, at Gosford, and at Gosford, they'd said it's a brain tumour on her brain and the top of her spinal cord. Uh, you've got to take her down to Sydney. So she was rushed in hospital down to Sydney. And so I got the call and um, went down to Sydney to um, just be with the family and, and, and sit with them and um, pray with them. Um, I, I was allowed, had the privilege of going in and, and being with the, the mum and the dad as they were with this little girl and, um, and praying with them. We were just all crying. Uh, and um, then went out and spent some more time with the family. And then we were all called in by the doctor. And I, was, again, had the privilege of being allowed to be with them when the doctor said, um, she's not actually alive. It's just the machines that, that are keeping her going. We, we're going to have to turn it off. I've I, I got kids, you know, a daughter just the year above, a daughter just the year below. And, um, and, and it wasn't even my experience. But being wrapped up in this family's experience, you, you realise the depth of the grief that they experienced and going through the funeral with them. Um, that night as I came home from the hospital, I was down in Sydney. My mum lives in Sydney and it was late and I thought, oh, I'll just go to my mum's. But as I drove towards my mum's, I, I, I couldn't stop. I just had to go home. Yeah. So I drove home because I just wanted to see... Um, Sorry, see my kids in their beds that night. Now, we've all experienced suffering, sometimes on a very personal level, but sometimes it's vast, it's, it's tsunamis, it's wars, it's holocausts, it's genocide in African nations over decades, it's child soldiers, it's uh, women, men, children who've been butchered, it's uh, a Syrian conflict, it's Sudan, it's Sunni versus Shiite in Iraq... Um, I know there's many of you suffering from um, uh, cancer and other life-threatening illnesses even now. Um, I've seen mothers and fathers who uh, die and yet their kids are left without them. It's a universal problem. Every country, every person who has ever lived, every person who will ever live will experience suffering. Some of you may have experienced much more suffering than me. Some of you may have experienced less. Some suffer more than others. We don't know why, but we all suffer. Now, right now, what I want you to do is have a bit of a think about how do you think about suffering? How does it fit into your worldview? How do you understand it? Um, why is it? What helps you in times of sufferings? Uh, and how can God fit in? Does God help? I don't know if you've ever prayed for something in particular in your sufferings and it seemed like nothing happened. Or you really wanted God to come through in a particular area. But... It just seemed like he didn't. How does God fit into suffering? Can he actually really make a difference? See, there are many different approaches to explaining suffering and dealing with suffering. Why is there suffering? Uh, what can help? 
Because wherever you go in our world, um, it's a problem for everyone. It's a question for everyone. Whatever worldview you have, it has to somehow struggle with the question of pain and suffering and evil in the world. Now, let me give you three, three ways of explaining and trying to fit suffering into a worldview that exists in our world. I'll give you two religious ones and one non-religious one. So the first one is this, Hinduism. One possible explanation of suffering is karma. You've probably heard of karma. It's the idea where you get back what you do. If you live negatively, cruelly, meanly, it, it eventually comes back to you. The universe, or, or Brahman, um, it means that it will, it will come back to you either in this life or in the life to come. That's a very powerful explanation of suffering, isn't it? It's powerful because it, it explains all suffering, absolutely. There's no questions. There's no mystery. Every bit of suffering that you have ever experienced is because you deserve it. It's coming back to you from the way that you have lived either in this life or have lived in past lives. So if you get cancer, it's because of your negative karma. It's because in the end you're getting what you deserve. If a child is born disabled, it's because in a past life that child has done negative things and so the karma is caught up with them and now they're disabled in this life. So it's a very, very powerful and complete explanation of suffering. But for me, it has a big but about it. Can you hear some of the buts? Can you feel some of the buts? For me, one of the big buts is it's hard to have compassion on anyone who's suffering if in the end people are just getting what they deserve. But for me, the bigger but is this. The only hope for the future, the only way I can get out of suffering and have a better life is if I do better, is if I pull my socks up if I'm treating people more rightly and attracting less negative karma to myself. And for me, that's a real problem because I know I can't do it. For me, it's utterly depressing. If I'm going to make my way up the wheel and move forward and have better reincarnations and, not, and experience less and less suffering, I have to improve. But I don't think I can. So there's a big but for me there. Another possible way of explaining karma is um, the Buddhist approach, um, sorry, to suffering, is the Buddhist approach. Um, now, again, as I speak about Hinduism and Buddhism, there's lots of variety, so I'm just speaking about the basics. Um, Buddhism also recognises karma, but Buddhism focuses very much in upon suffering. Suffering is at the very heart of the uh, philosophy of, of Buddhism. See, what Buddhism recognises is suffering is the big problem in the world. And so what we've got to do is deal with suffering. How do you deal with suffering? Well, suffering is dealt with by removing desire. The reason I suffer is because I desire things and those desires aren't met. So I desire relationship with my family. I desire to be loved and cared for and to love and care for them and have real connection and relationship. But if they're taken away from me, if they die or something happens and that I can't fulfil that desire anymore, it causes incredible pain and suffering. And more trivially, if I love surfing or some sort of activity, and I can't do that activity because I desire to do it, then it causes suffering. And so the solution is to remove desire. And so if I choose not to desire surfing anymore, I can somehow remove that desire to surf. If I never get to surf another day in my life, well, it doesn't matter. I feel no suffering anymore. Same with family. Now, that's at the very heart of the philosophy of Buddhism. Removal of desire, removal of self... Uh, to the point at which you don't suffer anymore through the Eightfold Path, which includes some ethical things, uh, meditation um, and uh, wisdom. But it has another big but for me. Can we actually live like this? It is profoundly self-focused. 
is profoundly about me and removing all suffering from my life and me uh, becoming more and more enlightened and at one with the universe at exclusion of all other relationships, distancing myself emotionally from all other relationships. Um, we sacrifice in the end personal relationships and we sacrifice in the end ourselves. Third approach to suffering um, is atheism. This is not a religious one. Um, the atheist worldview is that suffering just is. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Just get over it. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to explain it. There's no cause. There's no reason. It just happens. Life just happens. This universe has just happened. We just happened. We've just evolved through random chance and evolutionary processes. There's no design. There's no actual meaning in the end. So suffering, if it happens, just play on. Because there's no God who's in control. There's no meaning or reason behind the suffering. Suffering is, is just random. But for me, again, it has a big price tag. It, it, it has a big butt behind it. It creates a profound problem. If life really is just an accident, the product of random chance, then I'm meaningless. We're meaningless. It's all meaningless. I, as a human being, have no more value than my dog. No more value than the little worm wiggling about in the bottom of my garden. No more value than a rock sitting outside. And in the end, if there's really no meaning and there's no God and there's no higher morality governing everything, then in the end, there's no real evil. There's no real basis for being appalled at evil. Strictly speaking, there's no category of evil at all. Uh, we make laws for our society because by making those laws, we can protect our species as best as possible and make sure they continue to get ahead and evolve the best and remain the dominant species. But they're just laws we've made up. They're not really based in right and wrong. Strictly speaking, there is no evil if you strip out God, morality, meaning in the end. And so the nature of the evolutionary processes is, well, the strong eats the weak. Survival of the fittest. It's not right, it's not wrong, it just is. It's the nature of things. So the strong person crushes the weak person. The strong nation crushes the weak nation. It's just the way it is. It's just survival of the fittest. It's not right, it's not wrong. If you're the weak, you might not like it, but you just got to get over it because that's the way it is. And so in the end, it creates... That approach to suffering creates a big butt for me um, and a real irony. The atheist who points their finger at the Christian and says, I cannot believe in your God because he allows evil and suffering in this world, in the end comes to a point where because they won't believe in a God, won't believe in ultimate meaning, comes to a point where evil disappears altogether. There is nothing that is evil. So there's three approaches to suffering. Now, you might resonate with one, one of those. And as you think about it, I've, I've tried to give you those to help you think, what do I think about suffering? How do I fit into my world? What helps when we suffer? Now, I want to give you a bit of a Christian framework of suffering. Four big things that the Bible teaches about suffering um, and uh, to see if these things will help us. So let me tell you a bit about what the Bible teaches about suffering. The first one is this. We're never given a complete answer. There's a lot of things we don't know. It's a mystery. There'll be suffering that you experience in your life, and in this life you just will not know why. There aren't reasons. Now, there are reasons, we just don't know the reasons. It's the nature of living in a universe where there is a creator, the Bible tells us, a creator who has made all things, and he's the king and knows all things, but we're creatures, and so we don't know all things. And that's what happens in suffering. But the other thing the Bible tells us is that the creator is very good. And so even if there is suffering in his universe... He is still good and he is still loving 
and he is still doing good to us. You might have heard the thing, um, if God is all good and God is all powerful, then suffering shouldn't exist. If he's all good, he doesn't want suffering. If he's all powerful, he can make sure there isn't suffering and so suffering shouldn't exist. But suffering does exist, so either God is not all good, he doesn't care whether there's suffering, or he's not all powerful, he can't control whether there's suffering, or he doesn't even exist at all. Have you heard something like that before? Yeah. I wonder, though, whether an all-good and all-powerful God can have suffering existing for a greater good. So that's what I do with my kids all the time. (laughs) My kids are in different situations where I look at it and I realise, actually, they feel lonely there or they're being excluded, or that's a difficult situation for them. And my temptation is always to jump in and remove the suffering and relieve them from that situation of suffering. But as a parent, sometimes I go, actually, if I leave them in that situation, maybe to this point, it's actually going to develop a character in them. They're going to learn to deal with that situation in a helpful way. I'll support them, I'll talk them through it. We all do that, don't we? We leave our kids in situations where there's difficulty, where there's suffering, for a greater good for them. That's the God of the Bible. He's good, he's powerful, and the suffering exists in this world for greater good and greater purposes, some of which God tells us and some of which he doesn't tell us. So that's the first big thing the Bible says. Um, We just don't have a complete answer to suffering. There's mystery. There's always going to be mystery in this life. The second thing the Bible tells us is this, and this is the hardest one to hear. The world is a broken world, a beautiful, lovely, wonderful, but broken world. And the hard thing to hear is it's a world that has been broken by us. The Bible says that what we have done is we've pushed God away. The God who wanted a relationship with us, we've pushed him out to the side, to the distance. The God who created us and gave us life. And the result of that is the punishment of the brokenness of that relationship, but also the brokenness of relationships with each other. None of them are what they were meant to be. Some are totally ripped apart, but some are just cracked. Uh, But also the brokenness of the world itself. The world itself, there's tsunamis. There's famines, there's earthquakes, there's floods, there's disease, there's all sorts of disaster. And so by pushing God out to the side, God has given us the punishment of brokenness of relationship with him, brokenness of relationships with each other, brokenness of the world itself and our relationship with the world. And so God is the God who is the just judge and punishes us for what we do but very merciful because he only gives us a very small punishment. Now, your suffering may not feel small, but God has held back the punishment that we deserve so that we just experience a taste of suffering, so that in the end we might seek after him and turn back to him. That's the second big thing the Bible says about suffering, and the hardest to hear. The world is broken, and it's broken by us pushing away God. Here is one of the most wonderful things to hear, I think, and one of the, the very heart of the Christian message. The third thing the Bible says about suffering is this. God is not distant from suffering. So you can get this picture that God's out there sitting on his cloud, looking down, and we're struggling away and experiencing the things that we experience in this life, and God has no part in it. He just watches on. But the reality is this. God actually came and became one of us. He actually fully became a human in history, the man Jesus Christ. God the Son came to earth and stayed fully God while becoming fully human. And he suffered just like we suffer. Experienced hunger and thirst, loneliness, rejection. He experienced the pull to do the wrong thing that we experienced. He experienced all the things that we experience, but even worse. In the end, he was rejected by everyone, 
He was stripped naked. He was hung up on a cross. He experienced absolute agony. He died in uh, shame and humiliation. And even his father, that relationship was torn apart. He experienced the brokenness of that relationship. God came into the world to suffer more than any of us because he loves us and wants to restore us back into relationship with God. I think that's amazing. And that's at the very heart of the Christian message. How do I deal with suffering? Well, there was a God who came and suffered like me, in fact, more than me, uh, to, number four, take me to a world where there is no suffering. See, number four, the big truth is God will end suffering in the end. We hate it, but God hates it more. We hate evil, but God hates evil more. And in the end, God is going to come and deal with suffering once and for all and eradicate it entirely. He'll destroy it. And that's why he came to earth, to give us the possibility to turn back to God so that we could be with him in his new world, his new creation, where there is no death and no sickness and no suffering um, anymore. But it cost him everything to do that. So I don't, I don't know about you, but I can follow a God like that. Absolutely just. He hates evil, he deals with it. Absolutely good. He comes and he suffers with me, for me, because he loves me. And absolutely loving, because he wants to take me to a world where there is no suffering for all eternity, forever and ever. I can follow God like that. I'd love to, you to continue to think into these things. You've got the um, summer series uh, pamphlets on your, um, on your tables. Um, and it asks the question, who is Jesus? In answering that question, you get to the heart of Christianity, but you also get to the heart of, um, can God help me with suffering from the Bible's perspective? See, how does God make a difference to my suffering? Well, he doesn't fly in and fix it all the time. He doesn't fly in and make it all better. He doesn't answer all my prayers so that suffering just disappears and goes away. Now, the way that he deals with, helps me deal with suffering is, he's with me, he loves me, he'll help me to walk through it. But in the end, he gives me hope, real hope, solid eternal hope. I'm certain that he came into this world to die to take me to a world where there is no suffering. And I can live through a lot of suffering knowing that that is the eternal, my eternal destiny because of what he has done for me. I'll do questions, I think. Is that right? Yeah. A lot more could be said. On every single one of those points. <laughs> um, but here's a couple of books that are quite helpful you can get on the, on the bookshop. Um, if I were God, I'd end all the pain. These, again, are uh, from a Christian perspective. If I were God, I'd end all the pain, struggling with evil, suffering, and faith. So this um, is very thin. It's very light. Um, that's the great starter. That's the one I'd, I'd probably first recommend. But it's dealing with this whole issue. How do we understand suffering and evil um, in this world, and how does God help me? So very helpful. Um, and this is the same sort of thing, but in far more depth. How long, O oh Lord? Reflections on suffering and evil. Um, this is much more meaty, take you a lot longer to read, uh, but very, very helpful. Um, one of the difficult things about suffering is when you're in suffering, it's very hard to read a book about it. <laughs> it's, um, you almost need to read these things before you get to times of intense suffering so that you're, you're prepared and you've thought through stuff. Yep. Well, thank you for that, Graham. Um, when it comes to why me, um, do you think that we live our lives like just with blinkers on and we just don't want to believe that suffering's going to come into our life? Do you think we all try and avoid it? 
Um, yeah, it is interesting. We, we do, I wonder whether it's a coping mechanism. Um, I do have that sense that, uh, yeah, I'm not going to die. <laughs> that's for someone down the road. You know, that, that's, uh, um, I'm not going to get cancer. That's for someone else. Now, the older I get, the, realize, the more I realise that's silly. Um, so positive thinking won't do it? No. <laughs> no, no the, yeah, so the older I get, the more I realise, and the more people I know, the more I realise there are people sick and dying around me all the time. Um, it's, it's fairly silly to think that I'm going to get through life unscathed. Now, you don't want to be pessimistic then at that point, uh, but you also want to be realistic. And so I want to have thought into um, how do I understand suffering when it does come? Um, and how do I understand what's going to go on beyond this life? Um, they're big things for me. Yeah. Is there anybody who would like to ask Graham a question just on this topic or even on something else? Yes, we have one over there. Could we have a mic? Over. Um, hey, I'm just interested when you were talking about karma, um, and then I just remembered something from when Jesus was around uh, and the blind man who had a family curse on him. Uh, how does that relate to Christianity, and do we still have curses through our family? So if my mom does something wrong, does that come on to me, or I don't know, just a question. Yeah, no, that's no, a good question. Um, so... When the blind man um, asked about that, um, Jesus talks about how it actually wasn't um, because of, um, like, people assumed in that day, when, when I have something go wrong with me, it's because I've done something wrong or my family has done something wrong. So um, being bad equals I get punishment, some sort of punishment for God. So similar to karma, but not exactly the same as karma. But in that instance and in another instance, um, Jesus says, actually, it's not that tight. It's not like that. Uh, the world is a broken world because of all our general rejection of God. And so when one person suffers, it's not necessarily because they have done more wrong than anyone else. It's just because we live in a world that is broken. Um, and so w with the blind man, um, Jesus makes the point, no, no, it's actually not because of his, his um, parents' sin. Yeah. Having said that, there are a couple of instances in the Bible where um, there is a direct relationship between someone doing wrong things and God punishing them. But generally... That's not the picture the Bible paints. It's not if you're suffering, if you get cancer, it's because you've done something wrong. If you get cancer, it's just because our world is a broken world and we've all done stuff wrong. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. So, Graeme, you're actually saying that we actually individually can go to God and um, have, like, a relationship with him and it doesn't matter what our parents have done, the sins of our parents, um, we can have freedom from sin. Is that what you're saying? Um, absolutely. So, so the reason that Jesus, God came into the world as Jesus was actually to draw, draw us back into a relationship with God. And one of the wonderful things about being draw, the ways that we can be drawn back into a relationship with God is anything wrong we have ever done can be cleansed and dealt with. Anything you've done wrong can be cleansed and dealt with, which is necessary to be back in relationship with a God who is perfectly pure and perfectly right. We need to be right, but I can't be right. And so the wonderful thing is Jesus came to be right on my behalf and to die for my wrongness, so that when God looks at me, he sees me as if I was Jesus right in God's sight. I hope that wasn't confusing, but that's at the very heart of um, how Jesus makes me right with God so that I can go to a world where there is no suffering. So, yeah. so has anybody else got a question for Graham? Yes, we have one over here. So you said it's very difficult to read those books when you're in the middle of suffering. Mm. 
When you're talking with someone who is in the middle of suffering and you're wanting to get them thinking a little bit more about the meaning of it and how God plays into that, do you have a, a good response or a question or um, starting point um, you know, to have a conversation with someone who is in the middle of suffering? Um, it's a good question. It's very hard because it's a case by case. It's about relationship, the relationship you have, you have with the person. Um, one of the, there's, a, there's a great book in the Bible which is all about suffering um, called Job. Um, and uh, one of the things that his mates did, he, he went through horrendous, horrendous suffering. Um, and one of the great things that his mates did, that is a lot of dumb things, but one of the great things his mates did when they first came across him was uh, they just sat with him for days and days and days. They were just with him. They didn't actually say anything. They didn't give advice. They didn't give wisdom. They especially didn't give trite answers, which we can... Because I don't know about you, but when I come into a situation and someone else is suffering, um, I either don't want to be part of it, part of... There's something in me that says, oh, this is so difficult because I don't want to feel the pain that I'm feeling and so I actually want to distance myself from you, that, if I'm honest, um, or I want to fix it. So I just want to give you an answer that's going to make it somehow go away. Um, but we don't want to do either of those things. We actually want to draw near, which I think is not my, at least not my reaction, and we want to um, not say trite things or necessarily say too much at all at first. Um, and then down the track, as they start to ask questions about why or how do you understand this if, if there's a God. But your kindness and care goes a long way in people staying to think about those sort of things. Yeah. Is that helpful? Do you want to get, come back? Yeah. Is there anybody else? Oh, here we have, over here. If you could keep your hand up just so they can find you. With the mic. You said that um, Jesus you know, gets rid of our sin, but it doesn't take away our suffering. He doesn't take away our suffering. That's exactly right. Yeah. In this uh, age. Yeah. yeah, in this age. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to clear that up because it sounded as if because we believe in Jesus, he's going to take away our suffering. Yeah, I didn't mean to give that impression. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's one of the things. When Jesus comes, he comes and he heals a whole bunch of people and um, does amazing things, um, which is part of why we believe he's God. But the other thing that he's doing is he's giving us a picture of what it's going to be like when the king returns again. See, when the king turns up the first time, he shows he is the king by reversing sickness, driving out evil, getting rid of all the brokenness of this world. And you think, yeah, that's what should happen when the king comes. But then they kill the king and he willingly dies to bring us into his kingdom if we'll, if we'll have him. And then he rises again and ascends and he says he's returning. And when he returns, he's going to bring the kingdom in all its fullness. And that's when all disease will be gone. And that's when all sickness will be gone. And that's when all evil will be gone once and for all. So no, the, the Christian will suffer in this life. The person who trusts Jesus will suffer in this life along with everyone else. doesn't exempt us at all. Um, and in some instances, might even suffer a bit more because people might hassle you or make it a bit hard for you. But it's the best way, and we can be certain of our eternal hope. So thank you for clarifying that. That's very helpful. Yeah. So, Graham, do you think um, God uses suffering in our life to change us? Uh, ab absolutely, absolutely. The difficult thing is um, he never tells us uh, exactly how he's doing that. So <laughs> you suffer and, and things go on in your life, but you can't always work out exactly why that took place. And sometimes saying, oh... I know God did this for this reason, 
Well, you may be right, but you may not necessarily be right. Um, I can look back, though, in times of suffering in my life, and God has definitely used those to grow and develop me. Um, uh, Hebrews talks about how no discipline is pleasant at the time, painful, but a father who loves his son disciplines their son. Um, and so, yeah, God brings um, discipline into our lives. Not always punishing discipline, sometimes preventative discipline. I discipline my kids in a number of ways, and it's not always because they've done something wrong. Um, um, God brings difficult circumstances into our lives to actually grow us and change us and develop us. Um, that's what he says for Christians. So yeah. is that why it says in the Bible that we should count it all joy when we fall into suffering and trials and hard times? Absolutely, which is totally weird, isn't it? <laughs> if, if you're new to these things, do you ever think I should be joyful at all in my suffering or think it's a good thing? Um, no, I think that's a really, really weird concept. But if you have the sense that actually there's a, there's a world coming where things are going to be perfect and God's growing me and shaping me and, and helping me be ready for that world if I'm a Christian, then even when suffering comes along, we can be joyful because God is with me. And joyful doesn't mean happy and dancing around and glad I'm sick or whatever. It, it means I've got a firm, deep confidence within uh, security. And I can know God is with me, he's looking after me, he's doing what is best and good for me, even if I can't work out what that is, and he's taking me to a world where there is no suffering, and he's done it all. I can trust him. That's why the Christian can have joy in suffering. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Graeme. Let's it's put our pleasure. hands together for Graeme.